Are we a blockchain? Are we a blockchain? Are we a Seven of AOTB Art on the Blockchain Podcast. I'm your host, with my co-host Cynthia Gayton. Hello, everybody. And uh, we have a special guest today. Today, a local, our first in-studio guest. It's pretty exciting. Indeed. So, um, his name is Aram Varnett. Um, he has an ICO analysis company and a couple other things. We're going to talk to him about. What's the company's name? It is called Illuminate. Okay. called Illuminate, is the name of the business. Illuminate? He's the founder and CEO. All right. And what exactly do you, does he do that you know about? What I understand this business is an ICO analysis company, and he's been doing this, I understand, for, for several years. He's been involved in the cryptocurrency space. So We, we met him at, our, or at least I met him, at yep. the um, January meetup that we did uh, speaking engagement at. Right, the for government blockchain. blockchain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've I've been following him on Twitter a little bit and talking to him here and there. Be good to have a nice in-depth analysis. Have somebody local on the show. Again, we're in Washington D.C. And um, today is September 27th. You're probably hearing this a couple of days later. I, I I I I guess before we get in the interview, uh, let's talk about some of the. Um, blockchain news yep we've got top five so we're down to five again uh wanted to introduce a couple of things we've already talked about the gallery further field um in in england on november 9th they're going to be participating with uh, neon digital arts festival they had a call for artists that ended on september 4th but this project is called the crypto detectorist Coins, Trades, and Hordes. It's going to be held by Further Fields Blockchain Art Commission and Neon. And Neon. Uh, they invited proposals for a new artistic online commission that takes the blockchain as the site of its manifestation. That's in their uh, on their website. I thought it was really interesting some of the examples that they identified as the kind of work that they'd be interested in, in seeing. A smart contract that sits on the blockchain for interaction by an art audience via a web browser. The visualization of blockchain activity, whether famous hacks or daily coffee purchases, a set of complex scripts or transactions that make the blockchain itself into art, crypto tokens, assets, or trading cards that make a game of blockchain value, and thought experiments or illustrative works. The idea is that the art should work as a future media archaeological artifact of the blockchain, of blockchain finance and it has to be an ex- exhibitable online. So I thought that was really very Yeah, that sounds thorough. I'm, I'm I'm reading the notes on this and I'm still kind of confused about what it is. Can I'm can we break this down a little bit more? What it seems like they're doing a lot and it, what is it exactly? It's a smart contract that you upload What they're trying to do is since it's a digital arts festival, they're they're featuring blockchain. Okay. And so they gave as examples five ways of uh, showing our 
as it relates to blockchain. So they first said, okay, well, let's use a smart contract. Okay. Uh, how do you Interact work with, with a art. art with the audience uh -huh. via web browser? That's kind of cool. So then you could. So since it's supposed to be accessible online, I guess that's the the uh, interactive part of it. But it starts on November 9th. They have a pretty extensive explanation of everything that's going on on the website. So that's that's provided. Yeah, that's at the bottom of the uh, podcast. It's furtherfield.org. Um, you can look into it. And the next thing is um, there's going to be a $50 million art token that's a, all caps A-R-T-O-K-E-N crowd sale starting October 25th by capacity. According to the website, um, it says we believe the AR, you know, augmented reality slash So it's VR. AR token, not art token. Well, yeah, I guess so. Because it's all right, just so our yeah. listeners are clear, it's spelled A-R-T-O-K-E-N. So it's right. like AR token. Yep. Uh, revolution will be driven by content creators. That's why we're introducing the first platform that leverages blockchain infrastructure to create, rent, and sell 3D content. This approach ensures decentralized and trustless copyright storage and content exchange within the ARVR ecosystem. Um, it's hard to tell what their what blockchain is going to help them with. Is this their own blockchain? Yes. I don't know if it's their own, well, it's their own token. I don't know if it's this their own This is a blockchain. meme right here. <laughs> No offense, it's the <laughs> meme right now, because <laughs> it's just buzzwords, and I'm, you know, I, I, it's interesting, cool, but it, it's just buzzwords on the uh, blockchain to me. Well, there are a couple <laughs> things that I went on to the uh, website and onto their white paper, and they did some homework with regard to what they were going to make available to the public. Um, they've identified it as a utility token, which is interesting, and then it has this Howey test score of 20. What does which, that mean? Well, this is what I was trying to figure out. How did they know what, what, how does, where does this thing good? come from? 20 doesn't seem high. I don't know what 20 means. So I went um, onto their, you know, I, I looked it up, and it seems like there is a spreadsheet where you can calculate whether or not you would pass a Howey test. And this is the SEC test. Mm -hmm. And they've determined via this, this spreadsheet that they have a score of 20, which suggests that it's not going to be subject, it wouldn't be considered a security. Um, the, because I wanted, it's, they're trying to keep it as a utility, which makes right, sense. Right. So I wanted to just kind of note something about what I found with relation to this this calculation on the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of spreadsheets available that that you can look up online if you just put Howie test. Mm -hmm. um, there's a spreadsheet that basically you can just fill in fields in the in this spreadsheet and come up with this calculation. The interesting point about the spreadsheet that I found was that it allegedly came from the Coinbase website. Um, and it says securities law framework dash PDF or dot PDF. It is the link is kind of a false link because there is a, a reference to legal as a subdirectory. Uh, legal, if you do Coinbase slash legal, there is no such directory as that anymore. Mm -hmm. So the PDF file is still out there. Um, so the spreadsheet is people can basically put in anything. And come up with with these with these numbers. I'm uh, 
And the other thing about the spreadsheet is that it wasn't updated to reflect anything that's happened since August of 2017 with the SEC's decision. So, you know, proceed with yeah. caution when you when you look at. I just this. get a little nervous about when you put VR, AR, and blockchain in the same sentence. It just seems real buzzwordy. You know, I mean, sure, I think down the line that blockchain is going to be usable. Like there was a Vox token that everybody got ripped off on along uh, last year, two years ago. And that was the first VR utility token, and it went from, you know, something to nothing quickly. Um, and in fact, that was uh, involved in Uphold too. If you guys know who Uphold is, but they owned all the Vox as well, or something. It, it's it's just weird to me. But I think eventually, in the VR AR stuff, you are gonna have utility tokens and stuff that could work. So, I mean, you could look into it. I mean, I haven't looked into it. I'm speaking strictly on what I've been noticing in the space. But maybe, you know, maybe they're taking it more seriously. But, you know, AR, VR also is still such a testing grounds right now, right? It's not yeah. It's not anything that, even if it was a big thing, it's not. It's something that if you put money into and they're looking for $50 million or something. Or yeah, that's like, the... Like, it's like, mm, Phase I don't know. One. I don't yeah. know if I need. It. I, w I personally, as a non-financial advisor to all of you, I would I would be weirded out that they need fifty million dollars for a token in a VR game. But I, again, I don't know everything about it. But um, yeah, it it does seem if it's leveraging blockchain infrastructure, it's presuming that something's already there. So what are they building? And if they are just generating content, um then, you know, it seems like a, a lot of money for content creation. So, you know, it says infrastructure to create, rent, and, and sell 3D content. Um, it, but it's, I think it's it's, it's at least worth... million dollar in infrastructure, though? <laughs> I don't, you know, that's just weird to me when, like, I've been in this space for a while now, and people are all of a sudden, all year, all this summer and stuff, these ICOs are all asking for 30, 50 million dollars, like... Yo, be careful because that's starting to turn people off when you're asking for all that money because everybody's like seeing that it's not, you know, I don't know. Just be, yeah. be wary, people, but it is an interesting thing. It is art on the blockchain. And since we know that people tend to copy documents over and over again without making revisions, yeah. Um, when you're seeing documents that have the exact same content and the exact same Which numbers. Which is every music and art. <laughs> <laughs> token white paper website that which you commented on to me a yeah. couple days ago even I, I sent uh, Cynthia some kind of thing we always sending these things back and forth to each other and literally I mean they, they all look the same except they're just replaced with faces and a couple you know different things so just be wary do your own research this is uh, your information yep Next thing I want to mention is uh, in October October 6th to the 8th of this year, there's going to be a blockchain art hackathon. So I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Um, on the website, this is blockchainart.io, there's a call for art submissions for the hackathon. From the website, it says, it is an environment where the open-minded artists and the blockchain enthusiasts can meet each other and jointly discuss issues and challenges that new blockchain-based technologies present to us. It's going to be held in the Ukraine. Um, there's a website. The work is intended to be shown in Abu Dhabi, Rotterdam, Berlin, War Warsaw, and Johannesburg. Uh, take a look. It was. It wasn't as. It seemed to. It. It seems to be changing uh, as I. You know, every day that I look at it. So take a look. See what it. 
What is What's a about? hackathon? Is that like what um that one artist we were talking about does? Like where she puts uh, coin artists, I guess. She puts the codes in the paintings, and you gotta. They're like puzzles or stuff. Is I, that what you? Th- yeah, I'm trying to is? figure out how you do that because the hackathon suggests that you do it all at once. You have three days to do something, mm. and. Well, that's cool. I mean, that, yeah. that's art-based blockchain, and it's people trying to figure something out. Maybe that'll make something happen from there. Yeah. The other thing, uh, September of, well, this month, uh, there's a new blockchain art business called Bit2Art, and it opened this month. Its purpose is to store and trade fine art and other valuables. We've seen this quite a bit. This will be perhaps the fifth we've talked about. Um there, I have a link to their website. It doesn't um, add, there's no new ad with regard to uh, functionality or anything that I've that I've seen uh, compared to the other ones we've talked about over the what, past couple. What blockchain do they use to store and trade their they fun have, art? They did not disclose any of that on the website. That's important to me. If I'm a, if I'm a consumer, user, artist, any of those things that is, are doing this, I'm looking into what they're using because not every blockchain is going to be around next year, guys. So just be careful. Yeah. And then the final one, uh, September 15th of this year, Melbourne's Terry or Terry, Terry, Terry B. Fine Art has become the first art gallery in Australia to accept Bitcoin as a means of payment. So it was announced on the 15th. From the website, it says the decision to embrace Bitcoin was made after a survey by the gallery revealed that Terry B's clientele was familiar with the digital currency and keen to use it for purchasing artwork. This is according to their gallery manager, Vicky Finkelstein. I think this is the second, second or third gallery. Mm-hmm. That That's we've talked about art, that is accepting crypto. cryptocurrency. So That's cool. the nice thing about it is it's a brick and mortar. You go look at art. You make a decision whether or not to use the cryptocurrency. See, that's a good way to use uh, cryptocurrency right now. Definitely because the artists, you know, if they believe in it, then they're going to get the um, cryptocurrency and, you know, maybe they'll sit on it and speculate. Maybe they'll hold it or uh, cash it out. Who knows? Um, that's cool. And that's that's the top five. All right, that's the news of the day. Um, I I just wanted to add that I was I thought it's cool that there's a uh, blockchain smartphone in development um, by Siren Labs. They were behind the fourteen thousand dollar Solarin smartphone last year, I think. Um, the interesting about this this thing is called the Finney, and it's named after the Bitcoin pioneer Hal Finney. <laughs> who uh, used to talk uh, over email and chats with uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, I don't know if his family has anything to do with this or what, but um, it's interesting because we've had so many problems with um, hackers hacking phones, getting control and adding yep. devices, and then taking your two-factor authorization through your email or through your phone and basically taking over your device while you sleep. Well, Usually, you know, when you're gone for a while, if they know well. Um, and then they'll empty your, you know, cryptocurrency accounts quickly if they're on exchanges. And this has really been a big problem. I mean, if you are if you trade cryptocurrencies and you, use, you, you basically have to use a phone, um, you definitely want to make sure that you are using all of the um, proper security measures to... Uh, keep people from you know getting access to your phone like eventually this is not going to work and this these guys seem to be 
aiming at a uh, crypto community to make a phone that uh you know is uh better suited i guess so check it out it's at um what is it oh, i'll put the website at the bottom i don't have it right now but um let's get into this interview with aram because he just showed up okay all right stand by <laughs> All right, cool. So we got Aram here. Aram, 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 Aram. All right, good. And uh, it's Varnett. Barnett. Barnett. Oh, yep. see, now I got to redo the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Aram Barnett, and he is a guy who has a lot going on with uh, in the blockchain space. So uh, first, let's get an introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my name is Aram Barnett. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Illuminate. We're a blockchain market intelligence services and investment company. Uh, we were founded March 2017. I've been in this space for about six years now. Um, so we're really excited. Uh, our first product that's going to be coming out October 15th is called CoinScore, mm -hmm. which aims to be the Bloomberg of cryptocurrency. We've indexed 2,200 tokens. And what we've been able to do is take... Um, We've divided. We've uh, we've uh, we've assessed uh, 20 different sectors, 36 different subsectors, and been able to categorize uh, all the tokens. We call them digital assets or cryptocurrencies accordingly mm -hmm. um, into those sectors. And what we've been able to do is we created the Coin Score, and a Coin Score is uh, 50 dimensions, and you know it gets down to you know the ratio of founders, uh, ratio of excuse me teammates to GitHub stars uh, to assess the actual team. Do they have any patents? What the legal claim is? Uh, are the founders criminals? Have they committed any crimes? <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of really deep information to make sure that people who are new to this space have enough information going there might be people that don't want you putting this uh service out oh of course a lot of people don't you know <laughs> there's people but at the same time you know in order for the market to grow you know you have to um you, you have to shine a light on the uh, bs and make sure that people understand that you know they're they're putting money into this and so we see ourselves as the arbiter to make sure that people that this community grows and that doesn't get cracked down by regulators absolutely does the information get published once you do your analysis or is it subscription-based where somebody pays you for the analysis? So we have uh, two models right now. It's $100 a month for our basic version. What you're able to get with that basic version, you have access to standard data pipes. You have access to all of our analysis. Uh, you got 50 gigabytes a month of storage. So we have a lot of data feeds that you're going to want to analyze if you're a fund manager or a researcher. And $500 a month for our premium service. Um, we're going to adding cold storage to that. Uh, execution capabilities, mobile alerts, anything that it's essentially a trader's wet dream. Uh, <laughs> so you have a lot of cool stuff in addition to um, uh, a terabyte of uh, information that you can go and store. So, you know, it's it's our, our target market is, you know, traders, researchers, analysts, law firms, and students who are looking to get involved inside of this space. And, you know, being in this space for six years, we, we kind of know what, what we would like to see. It's, you know, it's by traders for traders. Um, the reason why we launched this platform, it's because we understand that there's a need for this. I think the platform that we've developed um, uh, has beat anybody in this market by a country mile. Um, just for the amount of hopefully time. Hopefully more. Than hopefully more than that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, you know, how many blocks? But <laughs> um, but uh, we we've significantly put a lot of work in this. We've got a team of about uh, 12 people right now working on the CoinScore platform. Um, like I said, we're going to be launching the beta October 15th. So if anybody wants to sign up, you can just go to illuminate.io. A l l u m i n a t e. io. Okay. Yeah, we're going to put a link to your your site on the on the bottom of the uh, podcast as we usually do um wanted to with with regard to the reporting element too are you going to do separate reports on industries like they do with your competitors in that sense yeah so what we've been able to do going back to our 20 sectors um you know we have you know 
finance sectors, um, privacy tokens, um, security, um, you know, agriculture. Um, you know, it really, you know, it's really strong uh, metrics for the sectors. And so we can do an analysis. We can, we actually have a feature where you can do um, intra and inner uh, uh, sector um, comparisons. In addition to that, you're going to be able to, uh, do, we'll have analysts go and put out reports. So that also comes in the premium version where you're having analysts go and assessing the actual markets. Right now, um, the finance um, uh, sector has actually been the strongest because you have payments, investment platforms, right. and what have you. And so that's where we see the majority of you know today's market cap and where we see a lot of the leaders inside this space. You know, uh, Omisgo is one of the bigger ones inside that space, 10x. A lot of these really strong companies we see are being defined inside of this finance sector and their subsectors. What, what kind of analysts, like who are the analysts that you're having uh, review these? So including myself, the analyst team uh, combined has about 20 years training of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very, you know, well-respected team. They also have, bring up background in their respective disciplines. You know, are these like the Twitter traders or, <laughs> or? So it's a mix of Twitter traders, tra Twitter traders and traditional um, investors. Right. Um, we think it's a strong mix where people can go and do the traditional due diligence of a company while being able to say, or, you know, this is how the uh, crypto markets move. So, you know. Do you have you, any names? Yeah, so um, Liam Glinson, myself, um, Rajesh Virashmi, Blake Richardson, um, goodness, Arthur's last name, he's gonna be mad I forgot his last name. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch of other people. Um, we recently just um, uh, we recently just brought on a woman named Anna, um, who's in MIT Cryptocurrency Club. Um, so we're really excited about that. Uh, so, you know, we have really strong people inside of this space. In addition okay. to that, we've got a couple other advisors who are really big in the space. Okay, cool. I did want to ask because I, you know, I met, I talked to you at GW, and I wanted to know about your education background and how is there anything about your education that led you to this? Because uh, I, you know, I don't know if. <laughs> In, is there some element of, of He's about education? to give us a Kanye graduation <laughs> line or something. I, I got a feeling. So, I, I smell it. It's a it's an interesting way how I got into this space in the uh, first place, right? So I got into Bitcoin when I was 14 years old. The way that I got into Bitcoin was because of Nike. Um, so I can remember the date. It was December 22nd, 2011. The, con the Air Jordan Concord 11 was going to come out. Um, I had $200. I was ready to go camp up for the shoes. You know, people were fighting. People were from the shoes. Right. I've been trading since I was six years old. Right? I'm gonna go buy them, hold them, flip them. Standard stuff. Hoddle the shoes. You were you were flipping shoes at six? <laughs> uh, I was flipping Pokemon cards at okay, six. Okay. So, you know, I upgraded. That's yeah. 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 So so what happened was you know my parents said yeah hell no you're not leaving the house. So I'm downstairs. You know uh, what would any other you know like 14 15 year old do at the time? You know you got 200 dollars winter break. Uh, where do you buy drugs online? So <laughs> I'm sitting at my computer. It's like you know just doing research and I come across Bitcoin. All right. I'm like. Oh, shit. Is this is awesome. So I uh, go meet uh, this old guy on K Street in D.C., right? <laughs> Had him 150 bucks. It's like, yeah, go sets up a wallet. Um, you know, funny story. Uh, yesterday I was going through an old computer, and I typed in Bitcoin, and, you know, Bitcoin QT popped up. That was the original uh, Nakamoto yeah. client. And I was like, oh, God, I've been in this space for a minute. <laughs> but um, So I got the Bitcoin, and then a couple of days later, um, I uh, read the actual Nakamoto white papers, and I was like, oh, there's real value in this. Um you you got the Bitcoin from the guy. Was this through on local Street, Bitcoin or something? On Craigslist. Craigslist. Before all that. Before all that. Yeah. So on Craigslist, um, you met up with the guy. Was he shady? He was a. Well, he's K Street. Everyone know. in this space is pretty shady. He's an <laughs> old guy. Early, yeah, right? Old guy. He's like, yeah, you know, he helped me set up my wallet and everything. And so what happened after that? I read the the Nakamoto white paper and I understood that there is value in this, especially from an investment side. I saw it was growing. Um, 
I would I, 2012 I asked my dad for a small loan of about a thousand dollars you know I fucked up the first 500 um, and then spent the other uh, 500 on Bitcoin mm-hmm. it's like alright now I'm going to do it exactly what I was supposed to do go and buy it um, and then I continued to grow I started a hedge fund um, in high school called Cyber Financial how awesome. Cyber Financial got started was that you know I tried you know I went to the school without walls um, you know right away from GW and I was trying to uh, get somebody to be the advisor you know the sponsor for the club and nobody's doing this like oh you should be in school da 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 you should be doing this it's like what the hell is Bitcoin um, and so you know I didn't listen if anything that's the that's the, uh, the educational that's, standpoint yeah. didn't listen um, I um, <laughs> we started off the fun hey you're supposed to listen to your teachers <laughs> so we start we started off the fun um, I had um, you know 13 of my friends put money in how I convinced a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds to go put $100 in the Bitcoin was I spent $10 on the Silk Road and brought a browser's account and said if you put money into this you get access to that that's crazy <laughs> There's a shared history, man. I'm not going to get into that, but um, it worked. And I remember we introduced capital at around like $127. I bought in Bitcoin when it was like double digits. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, we're in a group message as good as what iPhone was out like the uh, S5. And I remember, you know, my phone's blowing up and Bitcoin hit like uh, uh, 30 bucks. No, it was like, no, $127. And and it hit like $350. And people looked at me like I created fire. And they're like, oh, shit. And so they all sold off. Um, and I continue to hold until we got up to December uh, 2013. We got the big news. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, Senate was looking into it. It hit a thousand, sold off, and then of course Mount Gox went through. Nice. And I was like, "Whoo, save my ass!" One of the lucky so, ones. Exactly. And so after that, I continue. You know, 2014, and I really started to read into it. It's like, okay, you know, Bitcoin's great, but the real application is the blockchain. That's where the you know the real innovation is going to come. Um, so I you know started you know coming up with use cases, just thinking of stuff. Um, reintroduce some more capital in the marketplace, and you know continue to haul. Mm-hmm. To continue to hodl. Um, and then, you know, just actively traded. Uh, 2013, you know, in between classes, I taught myself how to do Excel, how to, you know, program, um, you know, build bots out because it was just too intensive. Um, just staying up 24 hours. You were still doing a hedge fund with your friends at this point? <laughs> still, or it was, more than that? It was much more just learning to make sure my stuff was much more efficient. And so, 2015, I um, graduated uh, high school. And, uh, hold, on, hold on, before you get to 2015, <laughs> did you put into the Ethereum ICO? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was, it was... Um, it was uh, 2015, and I uh, was studying physics and economics at Morehouse. And in between studying social life, you know, I was up in the morning with my friend Preston, and we were driving around trying to find LPs for a hedge fund. Uh, and we got all, I had all the decks. It's called um, Solstice Exchange. I'm like, hey, this is this is what we're doing. This is the returns that we did for you know years. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a bunch of guys like, what's Bitcoin? Who's the social interest? They didn't get it. So right. four years of my life. Um, four and a half, you know, nobody understood uh, Bitcoin or why they should give me money. You know, luckily, you know, my parents listened. Um, I don't, still don't think they fully understand how everything works, but, you know, luckily they listened. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, I made the decision to drop out of university um, to go blockchain full-time you know i was looking around where else were they going to teach it you know university of nicosia had like a master's program i went through that and halfway through the course it's like i already know all this stuff right and just dealing this for years you know i wrote an open letter for financial innovation you know to the president of morehouse you know he didn't read it because maybe he didn't understand it um but uh you know funny enough we're going to turn that into a product later this year but um <laughs> you, you know it's uh I saw the opportunity to go and, you know, really be a part of the future. Um, That's the main reason why I left university. It was such a ripe time. And I knew that by the time they started teaching this in school, the market would have already passed me. Yeah, and the slope would have been more steady. So there I was, September 12, 2016, in my mother's basement, like, okay, what's next? And so I continued to build. 
Um, you know, you know, I came building building illuminate. Okay. Um, and so what happened was I continued to grow. I mean, I had years of just research that I conducted. I was an intern, um, summer associate at Cantor Fitzgerald, um, summer of 2016. It's like, you know, I was training my whole life, you know, to go to Wall Street. Um, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I looked up, you know, to James Simmons and Ray Dalio. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to be a hedge fund Who, manager. Ray Dalio just crapped yeah. all over Bitcoin. By yeah, the way. I know. Yeah, I know. And now it's, I'm looking at it, I was like, <laughs> eh, you know, this is why they tell you don't meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I aspired to be like them. And then, you know, that's, that's what I want to be. And then I left university, went to Wall Street. Wall Street sucks. Um, and so when I left university, I knew what I always wanted to do, and, you know, blockchain you know there's videos that will release like i've got interviews with al jazeera back in like 2014 mm-hmm. after the market crash and it's like you know scruffy here it's like yeah this is what this is what the uh what bitcoin's all about <laughs> right. um and so you know i how, hold on, how did you get on al jazeera <laughs> yeah so there <laughs> let's just let's just stop for a minute so, so there was um there was a meetup actually like around the corner from the studio um goodness uh dc uh bitcoiners uh shout out to uh Dwayne. Okay. um and so i was there he was um doing a course uh, Al Jazeera was doing a piece there, and I was like, "Hey, can I talk to you about what we're doing?" And they're like, yeah, "Okay." And then I told them who I was. They're like, "Oh, fuck, you're 17." And so, um, <laughs> and so I started talking to them, talking about the fun that I had set up, um, and they were just blown away. So there's that. We're we're saving it for a special date. It's probably just gonna be Thursday. Uh, <laughs> just gonna put it back out on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've got we've got stuff. Like we've been in this space for a while. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's really just been the culmination of just really sticking to it. It's far less of cryptocurrency and looking at the acts, the impact of blockchain as a whole, okay. which has been driving me like day in and day out. It's you know, creating something greater than myself and greater than the company. That's kind of why we founded Illuminate. We recognize that there is a lack of understanding with inside of you know the global community as a whole. Um, we think that uh, just crypto has a, just a marketing problem. Um, and we want to make sure that blockchain becomes mainstream. We're talking to government agencies right now. We have expanded tremendously um, in the last what, six what months. What are some of the utilities and functions you see with that? Uh, regardless with what we're doing with uh, agencies like, or with the blockchain? Let's say with the government and the blockchain. So one of the things that we see, it's, you know, there's a lot of bloat in Washington, especially administrative bloat. A um, bunch of papers, stuff is really inefficient. If you want to get your medical records, they have to pull you know, a bunch of stuff. Uh, right. you know, it's streamlining the process to make sure that taxpayer dollars go a lot further mm-hmm. and making sure that they're allocating the right way. Let me let me stop you there. Uh, uh, this is my question. If I put medical records on the blockchain, is how is it that I, I can see a benefit for for sure, mm-hmm. but is it also how do you stop it from being on the blockchain where it, like it is transparent? A blockchain at the end of the day is transparent. It's not as anonymous as most people think. Right. All right. Yeah, so one of the things that I think it's like right now we are like it's the internet 96, maybe even 92 right now. Um, Bitcoin was Gen 1, Ethereum's Gen 2, mm-hmm. and we're waiting for Gen 3 systems in the context of what we would see as Gen 3 today, where you have nodes or concurrent ledgers running on your phone. Okay. And then Gen 4 is you see larger systems with blockchain integrated inside of smart city infrastructure to the point where you're able to, and that you know that has to deal with Moore's Law, um, where we're able to catch up and you know run full computations on your phone, where you know your phone is able to you know run dApps and you know hook up to uh, the interplanetary file system to retrieve stuff or you know be a retrieval. Yeah. So you know it's uh. You're looking it, past all that though. Oh yeah, right. looking much past it. So you know, we will be able to put medical records and a lot more stuff on the blockchain. Um, Ethereum still has its scaling issues. There's a lot of other great proposals. Um, Do you but, think Ethereum is what it's going to be on? So, um, yes and no. So here's the thing: what I think about. Uh, 
when it comes to just crypto, the state of cryptocurrency right now, and this is just the state of the blockchain, uh, public ledgers. Okay, um, Bitcoin. It's got so much BS and politics inside the community right now. Are we doing like Segwit 2x? You know, no Segwit 2x. You know, you got the whole Bitmain debacle. Are you gonna figure this? Help people figure this out though with the company. We or are you guys? Yeah, but you're concentrating on blockchain one. and not Bitcoin. I'm trying to figure. Yeah. Well, we we intend on blowing Bitcoin and Ethereum out the water in 2019. I'll get to that later. Okay. But what's, um, what we're trying to do, it's like we think that income inequality is one of the biggest problems of our time. Um, of course, sovereign identity there's a lot of other problems. When it comes to you know social impact, um, income inequality. Right now, 0.4% um, uh, of the Bitcoin addresses own and 96% of all right, all so I saw that, 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 that graph going around uh -huh. recently. And first of all, I wasn't a fan of the way the graph looked. It, did, right. it was misleading a little bit. I was wondering now. Have you looked? Because I didn't look into it. It, it's, it says that ninety-six percent or four percent, point four percent own ninety-six percent. Aren't those mostly the big exchanges, though, included in that? So there are big exchanges, but mind you, there's people who have been in this space since two thousand nine. Definitely. Um, and you look at it's also conglomerates as well. Digital currency group consensus with Ethereum. Right. And there's you know, Jihan Wu. Bitmain, these guys who see, I think that number is just it's off putting a little bit. I don't think it's, I think that that graph was a little misleading. Like, I think that first of all, not everybody keeps their Bitcoin in one address, obviously. Mm -hmm. And people that do have a lot of Bitcoin, they spread it, up of course, m multiple addresses. And I think that it was misleading because, like you said, it was like DGO and like the big exchanges and st stuff like that are holding the Bitcoin. So, let's say this, um, let's say if it's really only like, um, 50% of Bitcoin addresses own 50% of Bitcoin, okay. all right? Um, if you look at the number of accounts, there's still, um, there's still, when it comes to the income inequality, most people aren't going to own one Bitcoin. One of my biggest gripes about Bitcoin right now, it's, you know, people are like, oh, we'll just go to like micro Bitcoins or we'll go to Satoshi's as the colloquial do refer to Bitcoins. Mm -hmm. People have problems calculating tips on receipts, what makes you think people are going to be able to calculate, oh, that Big Mac is like, you know, like six Satoshis. Oh, but it fluctuates. Yeah, I think it's, you know, once you get past, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, two numbers to the right of the decimal point, you're going to have a lot of confusion. Um, and then, you know, one of the, one of the things... And, about, that, and that, that's basically what he's talking about is remarketing Bitcoin from 21 million to 210 million or 2.1 billion because there's eight decimal points and you call it milli Bitcoin right. or something like that. So... Just to clear. I still, even then with scalability, it's like, you know, paying coffee for it. I tried to send money on Bitcoin the other day. It took like 12 hours for the you transaction. You can't pay a coffee on Bitcoin. Yeah, you're not, not going to be able to Not with Bitcoin Core, for sure, oh. which I, I think is more in store of the value and stuff like that. But we, that's But that goes toward different. the income inequality exactly. situation is, is it is it just that where you, if you have it, you're saving it. You're using it for whatever the future holds for you versus your day-to-day. -day I think that that's the biggest problem what you just said right there was that you're holding it one of the biggest mm -hmm. problems inside the space um people are investing they're not converting you're right so you know i guess i can just get into right now what we're going to do it's the secret not so secret project that we're working on at illuminate um 2019 we're going to be exclusive <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be launching our own blockchain um and so you know it's going to take some time that's we're putting out a 2019 but you know we're already formulating stuff figuring out our roadmap so uh 2018 we really start getting into development mm -hmm. but what we're trying to do is two things universal basic income and self-sovereign identity okay um at the same time being able to put uh you know have a you know light note on your phone um while being able to send information to uh master nodes that are like 
geographically relevant. So if you and I want to do a transaction, you know, depending on what your signal strength is, perhaps we can use NFC to do a peer-to-peer communication. But inevitably, that's going to get pushed to a larger node, and that's going to get pushed to an even larger cluster. Like state channels and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. So what makes our blockchain so special is how we're doing uh, identification. We're trying to solve two birds with one stone. So we created something called Theris. And so Theris is the protocol for uh, self-sovereign identification. And what you're able to do with that is Theris stands for thumbs ears and irises so you go and register your thumbs your ears and your irises the ears are just as unique if not more unique than your thumbprint and your irises the reason why we use triple redundancy is that in the event that you know when you lose one or if two if all three of us want to go and say hey let's get together and let's go uh multi-sig you go like well you can go and do multi-sig but if we want to go create another account we're going to take your eyes your ears and my thumbs if one of us already registered then you know it's null and void we can't do that because it's like one of these has already been registered on the chain so what we're going to do to incentivize people is in the event that you go and register we're going to assign 500,000 credits these 500,000 credits are going to act as the native token um, and so we designed the economic system where n is where the total the m0 supply of the system is n times 500,000 when n is representative of the total amount of people inside the actual system so that's anti-inflationary the way that we've tackled income inequality is we want to gamify the economy um, once you reach a certain threshold, let's say it's 100 million credits or even a billion credits, um, you have X amount of years until your balance resets and gets redistributed across the economy. Um, so what happens is you gamify the economy where people, you know, large um, people who have large amount of credits, so you know, very wealthy, have to go and disperse their money, and that speeds up the velocity of money. Is across that the like system. demerage, basically, like Freecoin used to have, kind of? Um, not necessarily. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? I. Vaguely, the idea I know of Freecoin was it was right. It came right after Bitcoin, and it was demurrage. I guess I don't know how you say it, but they, I think you lose four percent every year of what you hold, and it goes back. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the miners' reward, basically. Right. So, so I this guess, is interesting. So yeah, it, yeah. It'd well, be something similar to like that. Um, we think that you know, of course, you can do that. We want people to go and spend it, and you go know, make more investments. We see our system as a way to go speed up global innovation. We are trying to kill off fiat currency and you know the reason why we're trying to do that is because we really yeah not only that it's we i realized it's got that germs on it <laughs> we we also realized that hey. you know, regardless of elon musk's greatest efforts we're still stuck on this rock encapsulated inside the atmosphere we have to learn sooner or later to go work together the biggest barrier right now is money mm-hmm. um so if i go hop on a plane i want to go to canada i gotta go exchange my u.s dollars canadian dollars there's a barrier there there's a fee it's going to be much easier transaction um, costs. What makes our system so special is that we're taking, um, we're bumping up uh, what we're doing on the EVM for smart contracts, and we're trying to go full force and do nation states on top of them. So what we intend on doing is that you being a sovereign citizen, well, of course, you know, oh, your your thumbs, ears, and irises, that's great, but you know, what's your name? What gender do you identify with? You know, what's your last name? You know, where do you live? So what we've been able to do is we want to, we're, we're going to be able to create nation states on that where you're able to go subscribe. Imagine the ability to go and say, all right, I'm going to go subscribe to the nation state of Estonia. Now, because, you know, one of our biggest concerns is tribalism <laughs> um, <laughs> with inside the system, what's going to happen is that you have to create consensus around a number of people to go and create a nation state. So if you want to go create, create the, you know, the, uh, United States of Skrilla, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have consensus from at least 10,000 people, and they have to stake part of their balance to go spin up that nation. Okay, okay hold I, on, hold on. I want to make a point about sovereign citizens because there's a movement. Mm-hmm. I, I subscribe to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and sovereign citizens are people who are trying to be tax avoiders. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so maybe a different phrase for your <laughs> for your or if that's what movement. it is, it well, is what it is. I don't I mean, know. Uh, you you <laughs> have <laughs> sovereign citizen movement is a loose grouping of American, Canadian, Australian litigants. They have pictures of these people on at Southern Poverty Law Center. So I'm just saying, um, and that's why I just like because words are really really important. Because this is one thing that's been frustrating to me is seeing I words. See in legal allegedly legal context that do not mean the same thing as it does in uh, you know in a legal context and then demurrage i know because i used to work for a um, uh, an attorney who was a merit- maritime attorney uh-huh. and uh, so what what it is is a separate freight charge in addition to ordinary shipping costs which is imposed according to the terms of a carriage contract so it it's now moved into a, another area where it's cost related to storing so anyway yeah. i just thought and i guess that's an option and i think that this is the way aram is thinking of it too is yeah. like instead of you know miners getting the reward right we we actually see so one of the ways that we want because we're not going to assign credit on the system what we see is like the you know the house of the future mm-hmm. what i think is this it's like you know it's going to look relatively similar to what it has today but you're going to have some sort of rig where it's delegated proof of stake where you're going to take a percentage of your money put it on side of your rig and you're just going to collect transactions or empower the actual network itself right. um and so that's how you can create you know new streams of income um you know being able to give the people the ability to uh, register um, to their own nation states opens up a new waves of freedom. Um, in addition to that, we're going to be able to launch uh, turnkey businesses, giving people on the other side of the planet, you know, kid in Myanmar, this ability to go and compete with anybody else on the planet. And we understand as artificial intelligence continues, well, it hasn't really grown to the scale it is, but as soon as it takes off, it's taken over. Um, we think that the most important skill is going to be empathy and emotional intelligence so we're creating turnkey businesses where if you want to start up a marketing business or you want to start up something all you have to do is go and attract people um and go and market and so they're able to go and spend um so for instance if you want to start up a marketing company or if you want to start up you know music industry or something like that um you would go and put your entity out in our chain um you would get similar to an ens registration of course you have your bank account as well mm-hmm. um bunch of other parameters you know depending on you know where the web is web 3.0 you might get your own you know different do- different domain name but essentially recognizing you as you know like scroll adventures mm-hmm. all right um from there people are going to able to interact with you and go provide a service you know perhaps you know you have like um, an autonomous agent uh, help you run your business mm-hmm. um but what we're trying to do is you know it's if anything it'd be a very exp- a very interesting economic experiment. Sure. Um, we could see this that, you know, either we can build this on top of the Ethereum chain, but we think that we want to push it even further um, and just have a completely different chain and building on top of that. Um, you know, but before we get there, we've got a lot of other products, amazing products that we're pushing out there. Um, recently, we are doing IoT stuff at uh, Illuminate. And uh, this was, um, goodness, over the summer. Uh, and IoT, for our listeners, Internet of Things. Yes. So blockchain-enabled IoT devices. Um, well, uh, enabled, more like compatible. Um, and so what we were able to do was we built, uh, right now, uh, blockchain and the real world are separated. It's very hard to get information on chain from the real world and it's very expensive. So what we were able to do was to do two things. We built a device called, uh, Clutch and the device called the Octopus. Mm -hmm. Um, every single car since 96 in the United States and every single car since 2001 has a, uh, OBI port. Um, and so that OBI port, inside the OBI port, there's something called the CAN bus. And from the CAN bus, we're able to determine, you know, your RPM, how much oxygen is in your tank, how much gas, what blinker signal, um, what speed, how fast are you accelerating, decelerating. Mm-hmm. So what we were able to do was take that information, we build a device, we were able to go and dump that um, 
information from the CAN bus and stream it into our cloud. From there, you're able to go connect to a WebSocket and then go put that into a smart contract so you can do web services. We also built an application similar to Arcade City called Clutch. Um, what's so powerful about Clutch is that you have the hardware device where drivers are not only able to go and bring down the fees that Uber and Lyft charge to only 3 to 5%, 35% is only just there because, you know, credit card transactions and even somebody wants to pay with that. But um, what you're able to do is you're able to go and sell your data um, because it's your car, your ride, you're able to go sell that Mm -hmm. back and attach devices. So you're able to go map a city. Um, What we were able to do is connect it to the phone. And so using the gyroscopes in your phone, we could detect potholes. That's cool. Um, So you can go sell that information back. We've got, you know, blockchain-enabled IoT devices for mass market integration. At the end of the day, your grandmother doesn't care what the software stack of Facebook is. She just wants to know, can she see pictures of her grandkid? This is like um, the whole thing where everybody's not just having one job anymore and this plays into it where you have to maybe you'll be going to job you'll have a job maybe maybe you won't because a you know exactly a lot of crap going on the automation stuff but if that ideally you go to your job and you're saying like maybe this can work for me and this can work for me and this can work for me and i'm generating an income which seems to be the mentality of most 20 30 40 year old people you but, know what I mean? but i do have a, a concern though with regard because i'm not a big fan of the whole smart city thing and i don't like the idea of people's lives being commoditized mm-hmm. every aspect of their lives being commoditized because how about if you're not that interesting then you end up not having anything to, to sell on one hand but then you have to me you have things that should not be available to others for to make money off of and I think it, it it will put my fear is that it will push people to do things in order to make money that really is, is an integral part of themselves as opposed to what you do or your day job of course um, so I'm, that's you know is one that of a my concern for y'all. So there's not, two things: privacy, uh, a privacy issue, as well as over commoditizing. So what we want to be able to achieve is that you know we're putting out these IoT products just now, so people can start getting used to it, and mm-hmm. then at the end of the road, you know, implementing universal basic income. We think it should be anonymous, putting in the right privacy protocols in order to do so. So you're not tracked. That's why we want to be able to have you the ability to register. If you want to go register to a, a sovereign nation state, of course you can. And I think you should have the right to do that, or you should have the right to be forgotten or just be anonymous. What what, what about the governments where's that where do they come into play on this i think that i think there's always a role of government um it's just that um what their what their roles are going to be um i think that yeah i'm a a big uh big science fiction fan um so you know you look at star trek the uh, galactic the federation of planets um and you see you know what consensus they really create and i think one of one of the things in the world right now is that with, with the system that we're trying to implement, that you, um, we we hope that this system upends violence um, and just you know, lack of ang- and just gets rid of anxiety, economic anxiety, where us as a species are able to focus on bigger things. There's no reason why we can't stop hurricanes. There's no reason why we can't you know stop our hurricane, our earthquakes, uh, get to Mars, have you know control gravity. There's there's stuff like that that I think we're going to be able to do as a species. But I see money as the barrier to do that. So um, what's your so what's your plan with regard to education? Because I can barely talk to people like about something that they have heard about in the news, for example, with, with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And they, there's a there's an education leap with regard to understanding Bitcoin if they don't understand how the stock market works or if right. they don't understand any kind of trading. So how how you're working education and ramping people up because you're you're way you're light years ahead of a, most people, much less, you know, 
folks who are not that you're trying the folks you're trying to help. And that's that's the reason why we're doing these products like um, like Clutch, the Octopus, and you know CoinScore, so people can understand how to use the technology. I can sit down here and tell you about everything, how you know blockchain works, um, how these consensus protocols work. Um, delegated proof of stake and what have you, um, but that's going to go over 99.9% of people's heads right now. So that's why instead of you know, just teach, we're going to show you how to use it um, and just say, hey, this is why it's safe. Um, have the ability, have the resources available for people to understand if it's safe or not. Um, but uh, after that, you know, we really uh, we're already talking to Congress. We're figuring out how to. Uh, we've been talking to you know fifth graders. <laughs> telling them about how blockchain works you know they're really receptive like oh it's digital money you know it's just like uh oh, i'm about to date myself just like club penguin it's not like, <laughs> not, not like club penguin but um what's what's a popular game uh, clash of plants okay. where it's you know it's in-game currency it's the same thing um so telling people hey this is how it works because people understand how applications work people understand how this this and this works um but being able to go and show you know uh, one of the things is we've seen the education gap we can explain stuff from people under 30 they get it and then once we get to people like over um, like the range between like over uh, 60 within like you know well educated inside the technology space they understand it as well but there's a large amount of people who just don't understand that these are the majority of people who've been actually you know excluded from you know economic inclusion I mean they've just been like you know excluded from um, from the economy so that's why we're instead of you know just going out and explaining we're you know giving this to them here's the openness the protocol um showing that it can be trusted showing that here are the applications that are using it and really integrating into them um to show like you know it's just a soft adjustment so giving them the option um at the end of the day we can't force feed you and tell you to do this we're just giving people the route and giving them the right education protocols in order to learn it so hopefully we're you know we're going to be able to get to the point where we start introducing it uh, you know into you know the school system so people understand how stuff works at a young age right um, so it's going to take some time, but um, you know we're we're in it for the long haul. Well, the other thing too is who's got all the money is going to be it's older people. So to the extent that you can get older people on board at at whatever you know point that you can will be integral because the younger people are going to inherit it. Mm -hmm. You know, and to for the adults to be able to tell them um, how this is going to be done, or especially with the uh, with cryptocurrency. Um, I think that's going to be very important, and you're and you're talking to people at all, all mm -hmm. age levels. So it's going to be, uh, yeah. So it's real. It's it's interesting stuff. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad somebody's tackling all these different. Oh these yeah, different so it wakes us up in the morning. Areas, like we, my gosh. It's we have our team is so diverse, and you know I can't thank them enough. You know we've got you know uh, extremely young people. Well, Second, the second yeah, youngest there. Yeah, exactly. We, we've got we've got a we uh, we've uh, gray hairs as they're called. People who've got years of experience who help us and go reach out. And because we're in Washington D.C., we're able to go talk to you know congressmen, senators, uh, congressmen and women, senators who under um, who you know have the vested interests you know on both sides of the aisle. I think that's one of the beautiful things about our company is that you know we're nonpartisan and we understand what needs to be done not only to help you know greater good of the nation but as of the world um and so we're doing that one step at a time and the first step of that is coin score um so it is super intuitive um actually uh would you guys like a demo of the platform sure sure sick okay guys uh <laughs> on air demo <laughs> not a problem so yeah uh exclusive first look on what uh the coin score platform is going to look like so when does it go live? Um, October 15th, 
coming up. Oh, so, yeah. Looks like a couple of weeks. And that's coinscore.io or something? Yes. Yeah. Um, coinscore.io, and you can go find it on illuminate.io as well, slash coinscore. Or, uh, yeah, go to the website, uh, Twitter. It'll be all over. Cool, cool. So starting starting this week, let me go up. Uh, this is something a good service or it sounds like a good service that people you know there's so many noobs especially in the next in the last like year that have come into space and it's annoying like <laughs> how much money they throw at anything and then they complain all over the place like uh why why did i buy digibytes at three thousand sats well bro it was like 20 satoshis for years you, you know 30 and they don't know and they you know they get caught up in all the uh, hype and stuff so it'd be good to have people oh yeah there's so so much hype we're trying to make sure that people are safe and protected we're trying to be the good guys in a gray area okay. well uh, what about because I was mentioning this how we score mm -hmm. what is up with that uh, why is that even why are people even doing that or promoting or advertising their little how we scores does that actually mean anything so i guess we can talk about uh, the whole ico debacle. so uh point of discretion we have been you know helping people launch their icos actually getting down on the programming side of things launching the rc20 token we've also been integrating um blockchain into people's stacks so taking existing application and putting those on to blockchain now for those tokens that we've worked with we're not assessing them uh, we're not giving them the coins on our platform but however all the information um, that we take into our dimensions is there and available for people to view. And then we'll also, you know, disclose saying this is a company that we worked with. And that's why we're not assigning the score, just because we understand there, you know, there could be bias right. there. Um, but advertising the Howie test, people want to give themselves an edge. And I think people, you know, they spend a lot of money on lawyers. Oh, they've spent a whole lot of money on lawyers um, without realizing that this is an international market. Um, and saying like, oh, we're only selling to American investors when really, you know, the majority of traders, you know, in Southeast Asia, uh, you know, they don't care. Uh, make right. sure that uh, your product's good. Make sure that you have strong value and making sure that you actually, you know, have like there's a strong marketplace for people to uh, use your use your product. You know, what are the fun? It's, it's different fundamentals inside of this marketplace. Um, advertising the Howie test is something that even U.S. investors really don't know, <laughs> especially with inside yeah. this space. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we went through the SAF method and, you know, we got the Howie test. We spent, you know, 300 grand at the law firm. And it's like you wasted a bunch of money that you could have been. Oh, all right. Let me let me tell you this. Yeah. What I hate. Uh, I'll go into you know our our platform is gonna be ad free because uh, I can't stand these fucking ICO ads. <laughs> okay. It's like oh get on this new yeah. yeah. So um one of the things that I see if anyone's listening doing an ICO maybe they, I shouldn't tell them this but um <laughs> this is a community driven marketplace. If you want your ICO to be successful, get into the community. Don't sell your ICO. Sell your tech and why it's going to be worth something. We True. make we're not doing an ICO, but you know because we're and we do monthly meetups um, every month. <laughs> um, uh, we're actually doing one uh, next uh, Tuesday or Thursday in a Halloween hackathon. Um, yeah. We talked. That's the one we talked about. Oh I'm, no, we talked I'm about. I'm going to this thing next okay. week. And then there, you know I think we're doing a grand prize. It's like five ETH. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Seven. yeah, come on out. Uh, it's gonna be lit, uh, free candy, fun for the whole family. But, <laughs> um, but um, what we're going to, uh, what we do is like we actively engage the community so people understand this. It really doesn't matter who you are. Like I will, I will personally sit down and make sure that you understand. Mm -hmm. um, so generally, we go over, you know, either it's development, finances, or just general blockchain education, and we open source something, a use case, every meeting, mm -hmm. so people understand. Like at the end of it, it's like, oh. That's how you do it. Right. Um, last month, we did an education use case. Um, so, you know, we, uh, because it's easier to spend stuff up on Hyperledger for just 
building applications. You know, it's not really a blockchain, um, but uh, it's a whole other story. But, <laughs> but um, it's easy for people to understand it. Um, and so, you know, get active in the community. We Every time we go and travel, we make a point to go and visit the local community. I was in San Francisco uh, a few weeks back. Go visit SF Ethereum because it's a community. You need to create consensus. Right. People understand. It's like, oh, you, know, you don't suck versus, you know, going to these conferences, paying $1,000. Don't pay for the conferences. Sneak in. Uh, right, right. Um, <laughs> but um, Or find somebody. Or, those, or not. Or not. Those are already a <laughs> barrier for entry at those conferences They're, like uh, you're talking about, actually. Exactly. Um, like, they won't. You know, yeah, that's a whole other And it's, it's crazy. And it's and, like. And most of them aren't saying anything that the next person is saying. And. A lot of them are just pumping scams. It, it, there's so <laughs> many scams. It's it's absurd. It's like it's like oh we're gonna pay a thousand dollars. We're gonna pay like five thousand ten dollars dollars to be like a gold sponsor. Um, and it's like hey, give us thirty minutes to go pitch our ICO. Show me the tech. Show me the team. Why are you guys capable? Because the way I look at investments, and we're actually spinning up a venture arm. Um, if anybody wants you know wants to throw us a pitch deck, please shoot it at me at airmetalluminate.io. But um, what we're doing is, you know, we understand this. And if you're an ICO investor, you're, um, you're think of yourself as sitting in on a venture round and you're looking for that return. That's why you have to do, you know, very strong due diligence. That's why we're building up this platform so people right. can understand how these things work. You know, really get really invested in the team. Go follow them. You're essentially a groupie of the company, figuring out what they're doing, what their fundamentals are. Um, but yeah, these, uh, these conferences, a lot of these companies, they, uh, I think, yeah, 90, 95% are going to, uh, you know, fizzle out. And most of them, to be a speaker, you have to, you you have to be a sponsor, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's like just just pay to play. read, read, yeah, and that just read the fine print. I mean, that's all you got to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, at least and and every once in a while, ask people to pay a percentage in the cryptocurrency if you're. If you're oh yeah. If yeah, you're, use some crypto. I mean, because none of them seem to be promoting the. I know. <laughs> yeah, whoever's getting the people who made the most money off this is those uh, conference promoters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, actually, guys, here's the uh, here's the uh, sneak peek of the CoinScore platform. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So um, this is uh, page one, and where these are just like very very rough stuff. We're uh, developing the rest of the stuff in house right now, which okay. um, actually we, if I was doing this, it's a nice Friday, UI. Yeah, we'll be able to have stuff. So this is like your front page, a lot of news, and if we go to the finance sector, you're able to pull up. Okay. Everything inside this, and here are your subsectors, your leaders, laggers, um, upcoming ICOs, uh, sector comparisons, sector composite index, more news relevant. And if we go see what um, you're able to do, deep dive information. Um, so these three screens are actually going to be free. Well, actually, I wanted to ask a little bit about about content because that's a lot of what we do in terms of digital assets. Talking about um, music and. Any other kind of uh, content that's going to hopefully be proliferating in blockchain world? Do you have any in terms of trends? Are you obviously music is everywhere, but it seems to be the same thing over and over again. It's all streaming. Um, what do you see anything in that in that so, space with the creative arts? So yeah, I mean, there's a couple of trends. I mean, from the ICO standpoint, there's different trends in ICOs and there are different trends in blockchain. Right. From music, uh, you know, we've had a couple of clients in very large uh, music organizations who are looking to go put royalties and you know track you know you know sales on blockchain. Um, so there's going to be a lot of uh, enterprise integration of uh, you know blockchain inside of corporate stacks, uh, which is very exciting. In regards to you know creative industries, I think uh, Poet was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who are trying to you know put art on the blockchain. They're well, I wouldn't I have to stop saying the blockchain art on a blockchain. <laughs> um, they're trying to be able to track that, uh, track the legitimacy of something, um, figuring out the master copy. Um, I'd also I've seen some really really interesting 
uh, things for just, uh, you know, content creation. Uh, you know, Steam was the first thing. Uh, do I think Steam is going to replace Facebook? Not necessarily, but just having a model like that is just super interesting. Um, they have a good network effect, too, with being oh, yeah. the first and stuff. Exactly. Definitely. So they have, you know, strong first mover advantages. Um, I think people, you know, shouldn't be paid for their content. I, you know, I think, you know, Google and YouTube are pioneers in that space where they give, you know, content creators a cut of their ad revenue. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. do. If you do, yeah, you know, of, of a certain amount. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, still with inside that space, I thought that was very innovative and I think we're going to see a lot more people. So, you know, going back to your point earlier, it's like, you know, you may not be that interesting. I still, you know, everyone has value. You know, you'll well, always... Hope. Yes, yeah, they do, whether or not you get paid for it. Yeah, whether, <laughs> everyone, whether or not you get paid for it. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, interesting things. But I guess, you know, from, you know, a larger standpoint from the actual trends itself, everyone and their mom is launching an ICO. Okay. Um, and one of the things you have to take into consideration, especially when you're trying to invest in these things, it's uh, who is their competition um, on, you know... Like the stock market, you know, publicly traded companies, because you know, if with Steam and Facebook, Facebook can easily integrate tomorrow, you know, like a Facebook coin, um, and so those are the biggest things that like kind of scare me. Um, but uh, you, we're looking for novel things. I think the most novel things out of these spaces now are protocols and patents. Um, there's, um, you know, shameless plug, but one of our clients, Loki, has probably one of the most interesting um, blockchain use cases. Um, they are doing staking patents. Um, blockchain, they've been building a contextual search engine um, since uh, they, they came up with the concept back in like the 90s. Hmm. They got it patents, one of the longest patents uh, in the United States in 2012, and they've been building out their invent system. And so what they were able to do is do... Um, staking patents? Well, staking, not staking claim to patents, staking um, the, uh, the research. Yeah. Okay, researched patents. Okay. Um, and so well, allegedly, uh, well, apparently what they're able to do is if you do through a series of inquiries, you can see if anybody already has a patent in that in that particular innovation that you were interested in. Um, Without paying a thousand dollars to get it researched or whatever right. to find out. So right. if anything, it's making the entry to a go to That's a cool. Very so cool. I thought that was yeah. very interesting. They've been working on that, and you know they've got a really strong team. Their CEOs, you know, going all over the planet. Uh, they've got a, a whole lot of developers um, out in Reston, and then we've got another another company called Blockchain for Change. Um, I can't tell you much, but what they've been able to create, especially for the people who they're able to touch, they are going to have the largest uh, the the largest, um, uh, the largest population using their plant, Lock using their change. Yeah, they're gonna have the uh, largest net of people using their tokens, bar none. As soon uh, as they you work. heard it here first on art. On the well, maybe not change. first, but close. So they, <laughs> so they, um, um, I, I'm, I forgot when they're doing their ICO. We're ever, we're helping them with a lot of other things right now. Um, but you know, it's not solicited to advise, um, to invest. But looking to them. Just pay attention to the news that's about to come out. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. When is their news coming out? Um, go follow them on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's like Blockchain for Change. It's like uh, BCC Blockchain or something like that. Just type in Blockchain for Change. Calvin and Mohit and Amanda are just knocking out the park. Um, cool. Strong team of advisors. Um, and then there's a bunch of other tokens. I think that Omi's Go was super interesting in this space. And, I, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting companies. And that's the OMG token. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. OMG was doing a good job. I mean, they're not the... So we gave them. They got a. Uh, they got a B minus on our platform, mm-hmm. which is eighty-one. Which is actually really, really good when you look at everything. Right. Um, it's extremely hard to get an A. Right. Um. So you know they have. If you read the white paper, you see like they're. It's a big, large undertaking. But they've got a really strong team. Good product. Um. It's not the most 
you know, because of the uh, what they're trying to do. We're very interested in seeing that. Um, strong market cap, continue to push. They're going to be implementing Plasma um, and implementing their own blockchain later on. So I'm super interested in what they're going to do with that team. Um, and then, Who gets A's on your platform? Uh, I think Give us a couple. I don't think anyone has gotten an A yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is yeah. No. Here's the thing. Like, <laughs> that's something to strive for, companies. Yeah. yeah nobody's got an 2,200 tokens and currencies, right? Yeah. And um, nobody's got an A yet, and I don't think anyone's gonna get an A until like late 2018. This might be the most important piece of information in this whole interview. Actually, <laughs> that kind of summarizes the space for real. Like, yeah. it's still so much more to grow. Yeah, and Omi's is like the top of the list, and even then, it's like it's uh. For their competition, it's like they're leading it by like eight points. But what do you think about EOS? I think uh, I think their uh, their development team is strong for what they're trying to achieve. Uh, Windows for blockchain. Um, I uh, easily Windows could do the same thing, or Apple could do the same thing. I um I I, I haven't dug around their SDK yet, or, and you know I've asked, I've talked to the CEO before at conferences, and you know with some of their you know their That's partners Dan. there. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dan and Craig, you know, what are they going to do for IoT compatibility and stuff? And so it's it's like a year out. for If you're looking at their crowd sale thing... They, I, they remind me of Ethereum, but the smart contractors are supposed to be... Or smart contracts are supposed to be a little bit smarter, it seems like. Am I wrong about that? It's a little bit smarter in the way that they're doing their protocols, delegated proof of stake, and where the nodes are actually going to be out. Um, it's uh, it's something interesting. It's not my favorite token. We... Uh, they are in our queue to do a rating. All right, let me. I'm gonna hit you with a couple more. This is okay, fun. yeah, yeah, come on. Tezos, Tezos, um, interesting, very interesting. The tezies. Yeah, the Tezies. I think their protocols, uh, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, husband and wife team. You know, they've been doing this for a while. You know, they've got a Tim Draper backing them, but everyone's got Tim Draper backing them. I don't know if he his name carries any. Uh, as much weight Tim Draper's a big uh, venture, yeah. or capitalist, venture capitalist in big this space. Big venture capitalist inside of the space. And so, right. you know, his, his name does mean something, but it's in everything now. I think Tesla's one of the first ones that he was seriously backing. Um, they are the third largest uh, ICO. Um, we're tracking right now how much we think that they have in their accounts um, because it's like, you know, well, Filecoin raised the most, but, you know, uh, the. Um, Tezos raised before them, and so yeah. whoever has the most ether is technically, you know, the most valuable right. um, inside their reserves. Um, I think when it comes to those protocols, IOTA included, to get to that, um, it's it's a race who's got the best protocols. You know, I, I recently heard that IOTA is partnering with somebody to do a phone, um, which I love to see that type of innovation. You know, being able to push stuff. Uh, Jamie Burke, the guy, one of the guys who, you know, uh, one of the VCs who put in that. Uh, shout out to the UK. Um, they've, um, I think that their team, they had a whole debacle where the MIT uh, Media Lab C sale um, found a vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that? Uh, that was hilarious. So they found there was a paper written a couple weeks ago by the MIT lady yeah. and a guy, I think. Yes. And they found a vulnerability in the IOTA. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, so they, they found a vulnerability in that. And, you know, that's good. At least people are actively looking at something because the last thing you want is a crappy protocol. Um, right. And so, you know, those protocol tokens, um, I think NEO and Waves are, you know, some of the most exciting protocols because mm -hmm. they, um, by geographical region, um, we're seeing a lot more of nationalism inside of platforms. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, decentralized marketplace, you know, NEO is Ethereum of China, Waves is going to be... I don't know what waves the Ethereum of Russia, even though Vitalik is Russian as well, and they're doing stuff for the it's Russian. It's definitely bank. bigger in, in Russia. It looks like exactly. I, I be, I'm in their Telegram group, and when I first joined, I was like, "This is uh, Russian blockchain, yeah. right?" Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, what's his name is part of it, or started it. I forget his name now, but he's very, you know, Russian. Yeah. So they're they're yeah they're rolling pretty deep. Um, I you know, Ethereum's kind of been you know the 
the default system to do an ICO. Um, I'm very excited. Do you excited. think that changes next year? Uh, or the year after? Does it have to change? Does ERC-20 not stop being the ICO coin? I think it all depends on where you are in the world and what regulators say. Um, and, you know, what's the barrier of entry for Ethereum? Um, are, are, are we going to see more ICOs on, like, ETC, on Waves, on XCP, on um, any of these? Is this? I, I hope it's not ETC. <laughs> um, I, all right, what's the, what's the hate on ETC? Let's talk about it. It's... Well, shit, shit happens. That's all. <laughs> and what happens is that, you know... It's Barry Silbert's baby. It's Barry Silbert's baby. And so it's like, yeah, Barry, I don't care. Grow up. Um, So what happened with Ethereum, for those who aren't initiated, um, you know, like uh, 14 months ago, 14, 15 months ago, uh, there's a thing called uh, the DAO. There, now there's DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, and then there is the DAO. The DAO was essentially an autonomous VC company where, you know, members would go put Ether into a you know autonomous contract. The first $100 million ICO. Yeah, and people would go and vote. And somebody read the uh, smart contract and um what happened was uh there was a refund function and because the account um it was an unsigned account uh you can put any account re refund somebody uh read that and did a recursive script so they kept on like oh refund here and here and here and here and then by the time we all saw it 150 million dollars was uh worth of ether was drained and then when that you know, 150 another million smart contract. exactly dropped down to 60 million dollars and so what happened was that we had to fork it because if we didn't then you know the market would have suffered um ethereum classic there's somebody who is you know probably like three four billion dollars uh worth of ethereum classic right now um and then there's the ethereum chain where they rolled back the transactions and it never happened so i think it was you know it was a fundamental point in history like of course you know code is law but at the same time law is subjective to the people who are interpreting it and the people that i guess the the fight about it is that um if it was a decentralized non-head of anything then you couldn't roll it back and that's where the old school bitcoiners kind of voiced their opinion and then the new school is like yo i, I don't want to lose my money shut up this is retarded and let's keep it going and Blah blah blah, right? I, I think that on Bitcoin, uh, if we want to get old school, um, I think that there was a in 2010 they actually had to fork Bitcoin because there was a yeah yeah because there's yeah. 92 billion tokens. So it's like if you want to be like oh you know code is law, look at 2010, dude. We we've done it before. It's going to continue to happen. Every single protocol might have it. Right. Stuff happens. So um, ETC is a dead chain to you. I uh, uh, eventually, as as a fund manager, you know we're holding some, but you know from a philosophical standpoint, I. It doesn't make much sense. We need to continue to push on. Um, Ethereum Classic, do I really... Like, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin's already confusing as is. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Unlimited. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. It's a marketing problem. If you really believe in the technology, just go with Ethereum. What about Segway Okay, hold on, hold on. I have a question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Because part of the, the issues, of course, is governance. And how how is governance moving along because while these things code is law and all these kinds of situations mm -hmm. if you can edit code and put in an address and you can change the course of somebody's life there has to be a way of managing internally you can't just say oh it was you know uh it was open source so we don't know we can't control what so-and-so wrote with regard to the code or the smart contract just because the smart contract physically you know the the pdf says something different than the code what's going to control all these kinds of things that because i that's one thing i'm not seeing in these discussions is any modifications with the with the governance of these organizations because i don't care if your if your code and what you and people think are different if if the website says one thing and the code does another 
this this is an ongoing problem, but I don't see anyone addressing that. So you know, one of the things we're actually trying to address this right now okay. is that I think that um, in order for you know blockchain to grow, in order for you know these protocols to work, you're going to see some governing body of humans going and voting, programmers and legislators. Well, legislators more of like representatives of people um, who you know are extremely high in emotional intelligence who can understand that. You know, one of the things in Washington, one of the regulators, you know, we've talked to them, and they're very empathetic. They understand because they have the you know the the great honor to go and serve the rest of the nation state and they have to they bear the weight of that shoulder on their shoulders they have to look out for, for everybody so when we talk to people about that it's like oh did you think about this 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 and this so you know being an engineer you know when we look at stuff it's here's the problem what is the solution how do we streamline and make it efficient we really don't think about the emotional ramifications of a system so if we wanted if or the legal or, or the legal <laughs> so uh so what uh so what we want to see is um especially on our end you know a coalition of you know people who are extremely high in emotion intelligence people who are profoundly gifted you know technically and being able to work together to come up with protocols and do proper governance because these systems whether you like it or not are going to impact every single man woman and child on the planet and we need to make sure that we get it right for at least 90 percent of the population and even yourselves i mean that's the other thing that you the self-interest has to come into play because you don't want to you i would i personally would like to see some self-governance where you all are coming up with your rules that you are managing these things so that you don't have to wait for the courts to come in and Mm -hmm. fix it um, or to, to protect people who are not engineers. Of course. Um, but like I said, I, that's something I'm particularly well, interested in because if it's going to ramp up and more and more people use it, th- at least the people who are building it should have some rules. Well, we, we do that. I mean, one of the things is like we generate consensus at Illuminate before we do anything. And, you know, we not only hold ourselves to a high standard, hold our clients to a high standard, but anyone who's going to be using our platform, we're giving people the ability to go launch um, – ICOs on the platform, at least, you know, you know, raise interest, perhaps do a SAFT. Um, we're still trying to figure that out. We're probably going to partner with an exchange. And what's going to happen is that in order to listen to the exchange, it's going to be very, very cheap to do it. Okay? We want the barrier of entry to be low. However, you're going to have to, you know, have some guidelines to it. So our guidelines are like, hey, um, you know, you're going to have to use a, uh, you know, a uh, a special card. If you're using investors' funds, you have to use this card to go and spend them. So we can go and track and put in an Excel sheet what you spent the money on. And using the, an immutable ledger to go track that. In addition to that, you have to do quarterly reports or you're going to get delisted. We need to make sure that everyone's safe and that you have you know, a standard rules because right now there's a whole bunch of scams right. going on. Yeah. We need to make sure that everyone's protected and making sure that people are in the highest standards in addition to us. Are you all going to have a lot of yo bitcoins on your... Uh Analysis is that like I mean I, when I go on Yobi there's like a million coins on there and so, I, most of them aren't even on Coin Market Cap. Exactly. So one of the things that's like um, we're gonna we do a lot of the due diligence. We're gonna streamline the process if you're listing a coin or trying to go do one. Um, you know, and if you're looking to list a coin, tweet at us. Tweet at the Illuminate underscore IO account and say, hey, we're doing a token sale and that's how we're doing verification as well. We'll call you up. Do our due diligence on the team, streamline you, put you in the right category and subcategory inside the upcoming ICOs. Um, and then, you know, we're going to do, we're going to be completely honest. You know, whether we like you or not, we're going to run you through the methodology. And it does not matter who you are. Um, we're going to run you through that methodology. And if you suck, you suck. I'm sorry. Um, but that's on you and the whole world's going to have to see it. And, you know, mind you, you'll be able to see where you can fix stuff. Um, but we have a team of 10 people working around the clock to figure out where you messed up. And so, you know, that's that's our job. We're investigators and we're analysts. We so you guys to... are policing the, the token well, economy. At least some feedback. It exactly. sounds like at, at least, least give some feedback to, to these folks. 
songs. Yeah, a lot, a lot of feedback because a lot of people, you know, you know, really strong technically, but we, you know, a lot of people may not understand, you know, like how to run a business effectively. So making sure that their, you know, ICO is strong, making sure that there's going to be, you know, some value, and making sure that some people are held, you know, held accountable in the event that you know somebody runs off with the money. Is there is there room for people who really just need less than a million dollars to do their their project? Is there in this space? Of course, of okay. course. Um, one of the things it's like, you know, we'll probably come up with a category for that, you know, special projects. But um, Ethereum's an experiment. Ether's an experiment. ICOs are experiment. It's an experiment funding another experiment. And I think that's the beauty of the actual system. That, you know, if, you know, it's easy to go raise funds for something now. If you believe in something, you can have enough support. And, you know, that goes back to the emotional intelligence, you know, you know, gathering the crowd around an idea, rallying around something. Um, I think the startup is the most pure form of innovation that you're able to gather a group of people around an idea and go build it. Um, you know, we love that. However, there needs to be, you know, some... We need to chill out on the on the $50 million art and music initial offerings. Like, we need to raise this much money to start. Th that seems ridiculous to me. Like, well, that, and this like is the, the this vibrate is and all this other stuff. Like, the, yeah. we, 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 talk, we called about them a while ago. I don't know if you're into that, but it seemed... They seemed like that. that's a perfect example of... Everything's $50 million. Yeah, and they, they announced that they were selling, and they sold out in three minutes. Oh, of course they did. Um, and then they were like, came back like two days later, and like, oh, you know what? We're gonna open this up uh, and get investors who weren't allowed to get in here. It's like, well, you guys already got all this money, and it, it seemed like a marketing scheme, basically. You understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's it must be so good, I gotta get in. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I, and since we're trying to get artists in that don't, this, uh, part of the reason is is that they don't have access to the the level of resources. How do you? How can they get involved with this space because it's gone so quickly and so, you know, in, in such a short amount of time, just in the year? That there's been. not enough ether to go around for the amount of projects, the amount of ether, it's like three to one. Like for every like three projects, there's like one ether. Yeah. Or even, you know, less Which is something we touched on too is you used to be able to throw in some ether at every ICO because they were like weekly or monthly. Now it's, you know, every day there's an ICO, if probably five or six of them. And you can't throw now. You can't. You're at a point. Where even if you're an early investor, you don't have enough ether to throw in every ICO. So here's the thing and you about used that. to be able to have that. Here's the thing about that five to six number. There are five to six numbers that you know of that are in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I say five to six, I'm being very conservative. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. absolutely. There are a ton of ICOs. <laughs> there's um, there's got to be ten thousand coins and tokens out by now. Oh yeah. Oh, we we've gone through some shitty tokens. Yeah. Uh, Three hundred coin unobtainium. Um. Well, Bud Coin's actually really funny. That's What's up with 808 Coin? That I see people 808 Coin. excited I am, about lately. I am not familiar with that. That's that's somewhere in our stack. I right. can guarantee yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Um, you know, we do have a media section. What about BitGrail? BitGrail. Uh, the rail blocks. That it's like IOTA. Uh, do they have any protocols like the Tangle? Where it's. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. I just know that they're. Thing is like they're they're supposed to be like IOTA except they didn't ICO. It's uh they might have ICO. I don't know, but it's very much more low key. If so, I don't know. Yeah. I just I just thought it's interesting. So if we if for example if we wanted to look at a market mm -hmm. with your using your platform and we just wanted to do media maybe different segments of media could there be a search run on that yeah yes of course okay. that's okay <laughs> just yes yeah. you're able to compare <laughs> intersector so you're able to say okay. you know nice. two tokens for one token to another um and then you can do like a sector to sector okay. so uh, like the the ethereum and lisk chart that used to go around that's yeah. going to be basically you can have templates like that for all these coins like i yeah. can compare the music coins uh Art coins, um, exactly. financial, yeah, great. Go and compare and contrast, and then you'll be able to put a lot of cool uh, graphics on it. There'll be a lot of memes floating around off you guys' company. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. We're looking <laughs> forward to it. Um, 
if top memes are going into our um, going into our uh, store, <laughs> put it on a t-shirt, uh, and then we'll give you guys a royalty. <laughs> nice. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's gonna be pretty sick. We're really excited for what the future holds. But that's you know just our first platform. But you know we we fell in love with our demographics who we're catering to. We're part of them. Um, so you know we're working you know with the regulars, making sure that it's a clear market and that people understand. Even if you're, you're new to the space, you're able to you know hop in and be safe. So we are we are ecstatic. Um, we we are working around the clock. This market moves 24/7. We are up 18 of those. <laughs> All right, I got another question before. I know we're wrapping up here in a second. Um, what if I have? And I just got this question today in Telegram. Mm. Right, if I have a thousand dollars. $5,000 or $10,000, where do I put the money into this crypto space right now as a new investor looking to not just, not, this is, I'm speaking from this investor, mm. not to be, um, not to just hold and forget about it, but they want to kind of, you know, get into the market a little bit. What, what would, if I could ask you, what would you, uh, asking for a friend? Asking for a friend if, yeah. I, had, if I had, no, absolutely, it is for, it is for if a friend. I had five grand just to throw out crypto. What would I do? What am I super excited about? Um, on the mic right there, too. Protocols. Uh, okay. You know, these fat protocols where you're able to go. Because um, one of the things that's said, um, and just for the record, everyone who's listening, you write this down. Okay, please, please, please write this down. There are no tokens and coins. There are cryptocurrencies, which are the native tokens for distributed protocols, and then there's digital assets, which are tokens built on top of those protocols. I don't want to see the token versus coin debate. What does this mean for legal space? It doesn't mean anything. Digital assets and cryptocurrencies, for the love of God, that's it from now moving forward. So I would look at investing in cryptocurrencies because those are going to be the native tokens to run these protocols. So I would go and look at stuff, you know, Ethereum's always great i think it has a lot of room to grow um not so much bitcoin um you see a lot of institutional investors that's the first token but it's you know if you look at the system scalability you know all the politics i i bitcoin's probably got like a shelf life see, I'm, years. I'm, I'm more max maximalist on bitcoin i we used to be, there i used to be pro max bitcoin right, right. like very max bitcoin but then when you're looking at it and like where everything roll where everything goes i mean bitcoin will probably still be around i think the politics though that are invading it right now are are even though they suck they're healthy for it because it determines if certain things happen like segwit 2x so i would uh, uh ethereum's great um, Waves and Neo. Um, I recently put some, uh, introduced some more capital in Neo just because I think it's going to take off. You know, fund in China, and it's like, it went down about seventy five percent off that fud, which is I already saw exactly. That's why I saw that. I was like, buy that. Um, I you know, so that that's part of the tribalism kind of the nation, the native thing where Neo is huge in Asia, right? Right. Or that's where the the speculative is that it's going to get bigger and bigger out there. Of and course. So, and so, but there's some value. I think the the thing that you all are, are talking about or alluding to with regard to the politics is really the personalities of the people who are participating. And when we're talking about communities, it is, a, it is something that you have to pay attention to because it does have an influence on what goes on, regardless of, you know, it's a cryptocurrency, it's a digital, and we're dealing with, you know, uh, the internet or whatever it is that we're dealing with. There, there are personalities that are... Yeah. having an influence on things that Absolutely. are being done and I so mean, you look can't, at Barry, Barry Silbert is a great yeah, example you, of that you can't I, just honestly. put something somewhere and think Roger Ver is uh, <laughs> obviously yeah. a polarizing uh, person as well oh yeah, yeah. I, I think when it comes to that that space it's like you know very you know it's very we're still in the early days mm -hmm. you know a lot of strong personalities inside the space you know Bitcoin to the moon um, eh we might get there, but there's far more stuff inside the solar system than the moon. 
Um, no, there's more. Like, I'm not one of those guys that's like, there's only going to be one blockchain. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely see use cases for in network effects and communities and all that. They, it can, there's, you know. No, there's room for if it. If blockchain works, <laughs> it's going to be multiple chains and there's going to yeah. be different reasons for it. Um, what do you think of, of, we're talking about governance earlier. I'm going to say, what do, what do you think of Decred? Decred, I have not done that much research in Decred, so I don't okay. feel comfortable speaking, you know, highly about it or, you know, poorly about the, the token at all. Right. Um, so uh, I'll just leave it at that. We're gonna come back uh. to you soon, and we're gonna ask you that again. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know a lot about Decred either. I just see people talking about the governance model the most with Decred, and even like Luke Jr. from Core, mm -hmm. I think tried to or it wrote something in from an implementation. I don't know if it went through or anything like that, but he, he put something in a repository that. That seemed interesting. Oh, yeah. We're going to... Uh, oh, speaking of your repos and BIPs and EIPs, we'll be dropping uh, an EIP, you know, like in like, January. That's going to be really cool. When that comes Hold on. Out. Do we have... Are we cool with that? Oh yeah, we're, we're definitely cool with that. You guys, you guys just be on the lookout for our repo and stuff. Um, so I think the Illuminate GitHub should be up. It might be private, but uh, we'll see a lot of cool stuff coming out of there. Um, we're working around the clock, bringing stuff for you. <laughs> and your and your meetup is local. Yeah, um, we do meet up, local meetups, but you know whenever we're traveling, I, I start tweeting a lot more now. Yeah. Um, so you know wherever I'll like go and contact the uh, head of the meetups. We'll probably uh ooh we'll probably be in Philly in October. Okay. Um, go um so um we'll go talk. Where, where can we follow you at on Twitter? Uh, Aram Barnett, A R A M B A R N E T T. Uh, you know, love new followers. Yep. Uh, so I, I uh, I probably like tweet something like once a day. Um, but uh, starting October first, you're gonna see a lot more information. Then from there, I'll be able to guide people to the Slack page. Cool. Um, well, actually, you know, we're having a war on Slack now. Uh, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Telegram or Discord. Yeah. yeah. Plus, everyone's sick of these Slack notifications anyway. Where's the market cap of all cryptos in 2020? Bam. That's a great My question. Uh, <laughs> 2020. I think 2020 is we're going to start seeing the big boys. All right, 2019, 2020. Um, you know, we might flirt with, uh, I was going to say even more than that, we might see 10 trillion. Wow. Um, the re 10 trillion based off of the rate in which we're growing. Um, for the amount of ICOs and just, you know, value over time. You know, I expect 90% of the tokens to fold. But see what came after the dot-com boom? We've got yeah. a lot of strong companies. And we're going to continue to grow that. Do you think we need to have a nice uh, bubble burst before that happens? Oh, or that, that bubble burst is coming. Yeah. Um, that bubble burst Prediction? Uh, Are we going under $50 billion? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, That's so, one thing. Less than... I mean, not, well, yeah, not that much lower. It's not that much lower. 120 what's, or 30% from there. Yeah, what's gonna what's probably going to happen is that people are going to realize that a lot of these uh, these tokens are you know, garbage. They're going to try to pull their money out. Yeah. Um, or, you know, and it's going to be a fastest to the floor on those because there's not enough liquidity for nope, everybody. Nope, not at all. But or, how much is the, the actual economy is going to make a difference? Because a lot the, of yeah, the investment is dealing with is as a result of their... You're not earning any money in anything right now. And like at the end, it's like it's once you, if that happens, you know, if the you know, global economy goes down, um, let's say Bitcoin does go up, then it's like okay, now it's like oh, we're holding Bitcoin, and then it's like it's a race to the bottom. People are investing; they're not converting. Is, is World War Three good or bad for digital currencies? Oh, I think World War Three is going to be caused by blockchain. Oh <laughs> shit! Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a new one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a. So what's going to happen? You know, we're going to see like nation state coins, right? You know, U.S. So, Fed okay. coin, Ruble coin. 
Is um, China coming first? Ooh, China. No, Japan's coming first. Japan. Japan's probably going to be the first country, you know, uh, G40 company, country, uh, launch a uh, token, probably for ahead of the, um, what's it called, uh, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then be like, okay, yeah, it's like raise a bunch of hype, raise a whole lot of money. That's a one way J- Japan won't go into deficit uh, doing it. That would be so cool. Like, you know, there's always like, oh, you do with the Olympics, then, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're like a couple billion dollars in debt. You know, if you launch an ICO around the Olympics and attract a lot of people, you have this much, you're able to go. <laughs> wow. That would be sick. But World War Three probably going to happen. Blockchain and AI where Russia or the U.S. is going to attack someone else's chain, destroy their currency or something wild. And the cool thing about... That's, that's a very good point, seriously. Like, with oh, these yeah. nations coming into cryptocurrency, I was reading, like, and that's why I said China is because... China's obviously been looking into it as well, and uh, I was just thinking in my head, I was like, if China does make a coin, and then they have a team, and they probably got all the people from China, but if somebody hacks this and depletes their coin, how does that, like, how, like, I don't know, like, it, it can't move that fast yet anyway, but. So I think what's going to happen is this. Um, so China, um, uh, China since, like, the 70s, really, 60s, 70s, has been, you know, the, the hub for creating, you know, more, yeah, late 70s, has been pushing out the majority of the world's products, right? And they've been importing for physical goods. Now they're doing digital goods, right? You know, Chinese companies are trying to buy a lot of media companies. Um, what's going to happen next is they're going to increase their sphere of influence by importing their money. Um, excuse me, exporting money out. So imagine like, oh, you know, we're going to give you, they're already putting the, what is it, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, beltway to, uh, to China, like the new Silk Road through Africa. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, uh, sub-Saharan African company, country, we're going to give you a, a, a renminbi node. And this is going to do proof of work. You're going to mint currency. You're able going to be able to control the supply. Uh, it's going to be like a derivative of the renminbi. And all you have to do is go and accept it, and we'll make you and everyone else rich. They put $10 billion into Nigeria. They can easily go and export their currency because Naira is a very liquid currency. China is going to start spreading their sphere of influence because it's a lot easier to push currency across people. And then okay. there are no boots on the ground. I mean, that's the other thing with, the, with kind of an economic warfare where you don't have to actually physically of course, there. of course. It's just print up stuff, print up yeah. money, and all that. Stuff. Exactly. So it's you know, it's, you're going to be a fighting for currencies, and then you know, the U.S. You know, we're quantum computer is going to break someone's blockchain. Someone's going to get pissed, and then it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Is, is there a scenario in your game theory where blockchain and Bitcoin fails completely? Uh, yes, Bitcoin, blockchain, not necessarily. Um, so we're, it's here, and it can't it's, go away. It's here. No, everything is nothing is uh, infinite. Um. Yeah, blockchain. Uh, you know, blockchain might go away. What would probably happen to be a rise in synthetics or uh, uh, bioinformatics, where you're able to go put like uh, you know put your information uh, yeah like <laughs> inside like a DNA helix, or something crazy like that, or you know do brain to brain communication, where it's like okay, but even then if you do brain to brain communication, you probably want to have go you know, back up somebody. Right, and one step further, and this kind of goes with like some of the crazies on Twitter on Bitcoin Twitter, where uh-huh. like DeSantis <laughs> and. Uh, I saw Fred Eshram recently do his 15-point thing about AI on the blockchain. Is it possible that, and this is going from their tweets, Uh-oh. are we possibly already AI on a blockchain from superior, from some beings before? Every day, <laughs> I, I, I think we're in a simulation. I love just looking. I'm like, there, there is no way this is base reality. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff with that. Honestly, are we a blockchain? Actually, you know, we might be. Uh, <laughs> the reason being is because if you look at like string theory, well, even string theory is like what, like eleven or eleven universes. Um, it might be uh, every uh, every transaction's already been recorded inside of a blockchain, so you can't 
differentiate or you can do interoperability between chains and there's already like a finite amount and based off of what your life decisions are you can go you know from chain to chain to chain so you do an atomic swap of your personality uh, so, chain to chain. so they're still incorporating bugs in the code because obviously if, right. if everything was perfect <laughs> right. if they had coded correctly <laughs> or maybe you did it on purpose because you know what's that? I think I, I, it's less of a bug more of a feature <laughs> yeah. we're gonna take our tinfoil hats off now and uh <laughs> And you got something else to say? Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever. Do your plug. Tell us what. Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, if anything, you know, I have to just thank the team um, who has been the driving force. So, you know, uh, Blake Richardson, Mitchell Patowski, Ravesh Rashmi, uh, Michael, uh, uh, <laughs> Robert Dowling, um, Natin, Arthur, uh, Luke. Uh, don't poach my employees. <laughs> you know. Cynthia, we didn't get, girl, we didn't get, get we didn't get last names of the last couple, so we're not. That, those are the most valuable. Yeah, right. Obviously, because yeah. he didn't give their last names, um, so we can't find them. But you know, <laughs> uh, Chaitan, Anna. Um, the only reason is I forget people's last names. I know uh, Starin. Uh, we have a team of like twelve people, but the community that we've created, and you know, this is why I think we're going to be so successful. We have people who work nine to fives who have spouses and kids at home, who after their 9 to 5, come and work with us from 5.30 to 2 a.m. for free. The community that we've created at Illuminate, it's, I don't know if we're turning into a cult, yeah, but, um, but people <laughs> love what we're building. And, you know, you know, we say we have 12 people. It's really grown into, like, 18, and that 18 is going to grow even more by the end of October. And, you know, that's people actually actively working on projects. And, of course, when we start, you know, putting stuff in our Telegram and our Discord channel showing, like, hey, this is how you get involved, this is how you get engaged, it's going to continue to grow. Oh, shout-outs to uh, Stephen McKee and Ari Paul. Uh, awesome dudes. Um, you know, Ari was uh, the first investor of Illuminate. Okay. Um, and then Stephen McKee has just been a wonderful mentor with inside this space. From Perth. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a really sick dude. Um, yeah. He's out. He's from Virginia. Yeah, Who's he is. Steve is? Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah, and uh, Brian Hoffman, if you're listening, please show up to a meetup. This is like the third time. We were trying to get <laughs> we were trying to get Brian in the show actually at the end of the. He's show. hard to get a hold of. Yeah. I, I'm gonna shoot him another message because like we always he's always he's always busy. He's running over his mind. All right, well, yo, that uh, wraps up another uh, episode of AOTV. Yep. Appreciate you, Aaron. No problem. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Oh, this is great.